Our readings today seem to give us the theme of hunger. In our first reading, we hear a great prophecy written hundreds of years before Jesus came onto the scene. And this prophecy from the book of Kings tells us that God will satiate the hunger of his people. So for those of us maybe who remain unconvinced that Jesus is God, we have a glimmer of one of the essential arguments, one of the essential things that we need to never forget that makes Jesus radically unique, radically unlike any other figure of history that the world has ever seen. This man was prophesied and he was anticipated. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of prophecies about Jesus of Nazareth, about where he would come from, to whom he would be born, and what he would do. These prophecies are hundreds of years before Jesus Christ comes onto the scene. This man was prophesied and he was anticipated. And in our first reading, we hear one of these great prophecies that it will be God who provides a satiating, a quenching for his people's hunger. We heard this mentioned in the responsorial psalm. We heard this mentioned in the gospel that Jesus is in action. He is doing it, quenching the hunger of thousands of people who have gathered around him. And so my first question that I would invite you in for meditation this day and this week is for what do you hunger? What is it that you hunger for? Perhaps on a superficial level, we might say that we hunger for, I don't know, more Royals victories. Thank God for a couple this week. We maybe hunger for American gold medals. We maybe hunger for a short homily. But maybe on a deeper, more authentic level, for what is it that you hunger? Maybe asked another way, what is it that you were looking for in life? Because brothers and sisters, if you don't know to start looking, you're probably not going to find it. And so what is it that you are looking for? What is it that you hunger for in this life? Is it wisdom? Is it friendship? Is it happiness? Is it abundant living, whatever that looks like? Is it to be known, to be seen, to be loved? What is it that you hunger for? Because we are the children of a God who desires to quench the hunger of his kids. And believe it or not, God is well aware that his kids hunger for real things. But he is even more aware that his kids hunger for even more real, more deep things. Like truth, happiness, flourishing, life, healing, freedom. How does God know that we want those things? Well, because believe it or not, he gave us the desire for them. And so what is it that you hunger for? That's my first question, my first invitation for you to to think and to pray with this week. What is it that I am hungering for? Because God desires to satiate. He desires to quench your hunger. Second question for you. Do you believe that he's capable of doing that? Because brothers and sisters, you and I find ourselves living amidst an age that has already made the decision that God is irrelevant and that he is incapable of filling the hunger of his people. And so God must be removed from the equation. He must be thrown out of our life, thrown out of our country so that we can truly actually find freedom, flourishing, happiness, love. 
And so you and I find ourselves living amidst a culture that has rejected God and his plan for life and that has chosen to embrace the myth and the lie of self-worship. You and I find ourselves living amidst a culture that tells us in no uncertain terms that if you want to be free, if you want life well-lived, if you want to be truly happy, if you want to actually find love, real, committed, unselfish love, you've got to remove God from the equation and live for yourself. What's the problem with that? Well, if we choose to do that, we're not going to find any of those things. Because the choice for self-worship, the choice to remove God from the equation, and the choice to live for just ourselves, my life, my way, my terms, I decide what's right and wrong, I decide what's true and false, the universe revolves essentially around me. That's not the path to freedom. That's not the path to flourishing. That's not the path to abundant living. That's the path to the opposite of those things. That's the path to slavery, to sin, to darkness, and to the rejection, the antithesis of love. St. John Paul II famously taught in his theology of the body that the human person finds himself to the extent that he gives himself away in unconditional love. And I think if we were going to even just for a second entertain that, that image that John Paul II proposes to us today, we would find that it's true, right? The Olympics are going on right now. If any one of our athletes decided to reject their plan for training, to reject the opinions of the coaches of those who were leading them to victory, and they were just going to do life, their terms, their way, they were going to decide for themselves what's true and false, what's right and wrong, how to live, is that going to lead to victory? When you've got a bunch of people on one team all living for themselves, is that going to lead? That's not going to lead to victory in anything. That's the path to defeat. And so, what is it that I hunger for? Do I believe that God is capable of quenching that hunger? Because the children of the Father, you and I are invited not to a life of self worship. You and I are invited to a life proposed by St. John Paul II and proposed ultimately by Jesus of Nazareth of radically unconditional self-giving. I invite you to try it, because as we find, as we give ourselves more and more and more, we are actually going to discover ourselves more and more. We actually become more free as we start giving ourselves away without condition. I actually find more, not less life, as I begin to give myself away in love to others. What is it that I hunger for? Do I believe that God's plan is capable of leading me to those things? Third and final question for you today. Jesus, the man from Nazareth. In our gospel, he had quite a following. There are thousands of people who were attracted to him, who seemed to be interested in what he was throwing down. The miracles that he was working, the words that were coming out of his mouth. Lots and lots of people were attracted to him. And so here, the next couple of weeks over the course of the life of the church year, we're going to be hearing John chapter 6. And John 6 begins with this gospel passage that we heard at Mass today, where Jesus is, in a sense, being followed so closely and he's so honored that he's worried that people are going to carry him off and make him king. And so I invite you to consider, where are you at tonight with Jesus? Are you a fan of his? Or are you a follower of his? 
Because there are lots of people that would choose fanship for Jesus, you know, to push the like button when it's convenient and it won't lose him too many friends. And, you know, maybe to listen to a couple of the nice pithy sayings that he had in the gospel and to kind of sprinkle him on top of our lives. And sure, yeah, that's comfortable. That's easy. That's convenient. What's the problem with that? When we are fans of Jesus, we will leave him in a heartbeat when the going gets tough. And we see this as this gospel passage plays out. That as Jesus is working miracles and people really like what he's doing, they're willing to listen. And then the second Jesus challenges his friends to step up and to live unconditional self-giving, what happens? He gets unfollowed and unliked. And we realize that most of the thousands of people that were surrounding him in the gospel today singing his praises were not followers. They were just fans. And so I invite you to consider, to be honest with yourself, where are you tonight in your friendship with Jesus? Are you a fan of his or are you a follower? Why one and not the other? How would you tell the difference between the two? Because again, you and I find ourselves living amidst the culture of many people who will embrace fandom of Jesus of Nazareth. And then the moment that the rubber hits the road and it's time to defend the truth of the dignity of the human person, that it is time to speak the gospel of life, we will find very quickly that Jesus continually in our day and age, even in this world, has many fans, but he has very few followers. And brothers and sisters, you and I are invited today to recommit our lives to not just being fans of him, but to being his faithful and loyal followers. He is going to place his heart on this altar. He is going to feed the hungers of our hearts. The one who is the truth who has come to set his people free is going to place his heart on this altar. The one who promises us the way to abundant living, not just, a, not just one of many ways, but the way. The way to abundant living is going to be placed on this altar tonight. Not just a passing fad, a diet, a way that you can have a good life, but the one who tells us I am life itself is going to place all of himself on the altar this evening. God loves you so much. If he could have given you something better than his son, he would have. There is no greater gift than the Eucharistic heart of Jesus. And that Eucharistic heart is given to God's people who hunger. It is given to quench the hunger of God's children. And it is the source of the strength that we need to not just be fans of Jesus, but to follow him with our lives. And so as we place Jesus on the altar this night, I invite you to consider again those three things. For what do I hunger? Do I believe that he, the God of the universe, who will soon sit on this altar, is capable of satiating that hunger? And then finally, where in my life do I choose to be a fan of his rather than to, rather than to follow him?